Hello, this is Bill Bonner, and it's Bill Bonner's podcast on the 15th of August, 2019. Is our crash alert flag still flying? Well, we hope so. It's been up on the pole for so long, waiting patiently for the stock market to fall. We'd hate to miss it when it finally happens. Stocks sold off yesterday after the 30-year Treasury bond hit a record high and the yield curve well and truly inverted. The Dow ended the day 800 points lower, with the Dow-Gold ratio sinking below 17. This index measures the fundamental inclination of the economy by comparing gold prices to stock prices. When the economy is healthy and growing, people buy stocks, and the index generally goes up. When the economy is fearful and correcting its mistakes, they buy gold, and the index goes down. It now takes 16.8 ounces of gold to buy the Dow stocks, down from 40 ounces in 1999 and down from 22 in 2018. Our guess is that it will continue going down until you can buy the Dow stocks for less than 5 ounces of gold. A further guess is that this long decline in the Dow-Gold ratio, also known as the greed-fear gauge, marks not only the decline of America's leading companies, but of America itself. History books will record that by 1900, the U.S. was the world's largest economy. By 1950, it led the world by almost every measure. By 1989, it no longer had any serious rivals. And by 1999, it peaked out. Since then, it has been losing market share, losing wealth and power, and losing the free enterprise, small government, open market habits, customs, and institutional advantages that, let's start that paragraph again. A further guess is that this long decline in the Dow-Gold ratio, also known as the greed-fear gauge, marks not only the decline of America's leading companies, but of America itself. History books will record that by 1900, the U.S. was the world's largest economy. By 1950, it led the world in almost every measure. By 1989, it no longer had any serious rivals. And by 1999, it peaked out. Since then, it has been losing market share, losing wealth and power, and losing the free enterprise, small government, open market habits, customs, and institutional advantages that made it such a success in the first place. But we'll come back to that tomorrow. Today, let's look at the yield curve and what it means. Ten times since 1950, an inverted yield curve with yields on long-term bonds lower than those on shorter terms has signaled a recession. But don't worry, say the talk. Let's start this again. But don't worry, say the stock pushers on TV. A recession has a long fuse. Between the time the fuse is lit by an inverted yield curve and the time the stock market blows up, investors usually have 18 months to take their profits. And it's not unusual for stocks to hit a new high during that period. Perhaps that will happen. Perhaps it won't. This is now the longest economic expansion in U.S. history, having delayed and denied a correction for so long, and having caused so many absurdities and abnormalities, a real bust may not be willing to wait. 
And in any case, when a theater burns down, it's better to leave the show early rather than late. An inverted yield curve is an odd thing. Time is inherently a destroyer. It degrades everything. Milk goes sour, buildings crumble, machines rust, mountains dissolve, and people grow old and die. So it doesn't make sense that an interest rate on long-term loans would be lower than the interest rate on short-term money. It implies that fewer things will go wrong over 30 years than over the next 30 days. But there it is. The 30-year U.S. bond now trades at barely more than 2%. That's less than can the consumer price... Okay, let's start that paragraph again. An inverted yield curve is an odd thing. Time is inherently a destroyer. It degrades everything. Milk goes sour. Buildings crumbles. Machines rust. Mountains dissolve. And people grow old and die. So it doesn't make sense that the interest rate on long-term loans would be lower than the interest rate on short-term money. It implies that fewer things will go wrong over a 30-year period than over the next 30 days. But there it is. The 30-year U.S. bond now trades at barely more than 2%. That's less than the consumer price inflation level. In other words, a buyer, if he holds to maturity, is guaranteed to lose money. Worldwide, another $16 trillion worth of bonds now trades at negative interest yields. In nominal terms, that is. That's not just a market oddity. That's an illustration of both the stupidity and cupidity of the human race. With a simpleton's faith in their own hocus-pocus, central banks all over the planet have pushed rates into negative territory. Of the world's major governments, only the U.S. still offers positive, in nominal terms, yields. Large institutional players, pension funds, trust, insurance pools, they need to get some yield on their money, so they go to the U.S. bond market, thereby raising U.S. bond prices and lowering yields. This causes the yield curve to invert, which causes stock investors to sell in anticipation of a recession. Meanwhile, Donald J. Trump has used the stock market as a proxy for his own performance. We predict that he'll continue to do so as long as stock prices are going up. When they go down, he'll blame the Fed. Bloomberg reported yesterday that President Donald Trump called Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell clueless and blamed his policies for the signs in the bond markets that a recession is looming. Well, he's surely right about the Fed. It is clueless. Let's start that paragraph again. He is surely right that the Fed is clueless, but they're all clueless in a self-serving way. They, including the low-interest-rate guy in the White House, Donald J. Trump himself, have created a world that depends on more and more inflation. That is, lower rates, more credit, bigger deficits, more fake money, and more debt. The arguments are only on matters of technique, Did the Fed cut rates soon enough? Did the Chinese let the yuan fall too much? Should Congress provide more money for the military, forgive student debt, or give everyone a guaranteed income? But the real problem is not a lack of inflation, it's a lack of integrity. The Feds can add as much fake money as they want. Zimbabwe tried it, Venezuela is trying it. At one point or another, almost all countries give it a go. But as we've seen, the more they inflate the money supply, the more it distorts prices and disfigures the economy. GDP growth rates go down, inequality goes up, as the new wealth tends to concentrate in 
Okay, let's try that paragraph again. But the real problem is not a lack of inflation, it's a lack of integrity. The feds can add as much fake money as they want. Zimbabwe tried it, Venezuela is trying it. At one point or another, almost all countries give it a go. But as we've seen, the more they inflate the money supply, the more it distorts and disfigures the economy. GDP growth rates go down, inequality goes up, savings go down, debt increases, capital disappears. This is not a sustainable model for growth and prosperity. It leads only to a bubble and a bust. What the economy really needs is neither more fake money nor less fake money, neither higher interest rates nor lower interest rates. What it really needs is honest interest rates, discovered by savers who offer their real savings and borrowers who bid for it with real money. In the meantime, we watch the markets. We get the news like the homies in Rome in 454. The vandals are on the way, they say. But don't worry, our armies will meet them and give them a good thrashing. Stay tuned. Thank you.